A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Why are you in the studio? Well, he's going to buy me a studio. He's not going to have his fucking podcast, is he? Go and find, go and find three other super, super talented broadcasters. Good luck. <laughs> Am I starting now? Yeah. You need to turn up the um, music. Oh, yeah. Hello, Egg Chasers. This is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, a podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Back in the rugby dungeon, proving conclusively, as if it needed to be proved, that we are the only podcast, rugby podcast there for you, 52 weeks of the year. Um, I mean, we, we record this on a Sunday every week, as we are today. Phil's driven over. I mean, he's drink driving to make this <laughs> podcast happen. He's had several sherries, some... Prosecco this morning with his Bucks Fizz and probably a couple of beers as well. And he still popped over on Christmas Day. And a load of Negronis, of course. Obviously. Yeah. Um, I've strolled around from my house. Um, Turkey's just um, just basted it and I've popped round. And JB's from to- Wales. told his... To come over from Wales and, and told, his, the, told I, I, his daughters, yeah. you will wait to open your presents till I'm back. Yeah, I, I looked my grandmother in the eyes. Said that, she said, Jonathan, this might be my last Christmas. And I said, well, I've got, I've got commitments. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to do? <laughs> no, we're here because we appreciate you. And and also we tied ourselves into saying we're the only podcast there for you fifty two weeks of the year. So we're, <laughs> that's a verbal contract. It is. We'd be we'd be uh, sued, wouldn't we? We'd be sued, we'd, we'd be sued. out of existence. Yeah, exactly by Haskell. <laughs> <laughs> um, how are you guys? You all right? Good. Feeling feeling kind of semi festive now. Mm-hmm. Mo- mostly because I've been kind of eating and drinking almost every day since I broke up for work a week ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm oh, full you of, had a week um, off work? You had this week off work? Yeah, oh, wow, yeah. lovely. I'm full yeah. of merriment. Uh, went out on Tuesday, which was tremendous fun. Nice. The CrossFit gang. Now, um, the, the cult. Yeah, the CrossFit cult. Uh, been doing various Christmassy things other than that, and yeah, just really enjoying celebrating the birth of our Lord baby Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I left, um, it was perfect, actually. Uh, no, I had a great one. So last night there were some friends had drinks, and um, uh, just a, a lead station, one of the places in Chalton. They oh, hang on, there's some good, there's good photos that came out of lead, lead station. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> some good promotional photos that have come out of lead station. Yeah, the cheeky boys. There was a very good one I remember seeing. <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't tell us when the photographer no, they, was coming around. Didn't tell us he was going to use it on Facebook as a, as a promotional absolutely. promotional for. He, he did a good job. He can was take it promotional? What was, what was the campaign we got roped into? Hashtag, I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was call like, call a mate. Yeah, something, something like, like drinking that. with mates. Wasn't it's it? like a picture of two two guys. You know, 
shooting the breeze, sort yeah. of. Yeah. Hanging that, out like friends do. So Kate's parents arrived last night, and uh, and Connie was ill as well. So Kate went, oh, do you know what, I'm not going to go. Um, and I managed to not only get out of the house when my in-laws uh, had arrived and my daughter was quite ill, I managed to get out of the house. I managed to get out of the house with brownie points. I was like, I'll, I'll go and represent. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I had, win, a, night, I had a night on the beers and came home to... Uh, oh, thanks well so, done. Thanks so much for that. No, you're welcome. <laughs> Good work, Tim. Yeah, fair play. Well, the, the other thing that's got me feeling festive is I've started watching World's Strongest Man. Is that so started? It started. So, well, it's the... I've Premiums. seen the first, yeah, the first two episodes. First one was the British qualifying. Second one was, like, European qualifying. Um, although there was a few kind of ring non-European Is ringers. it James Richardson again? Has got the gig of my dreams. Yes. Mm. Yes. Um, with Danny Wallace. And they've got another guy whose name escapes me. Used to um, be on Blue Peter. Yes. With the... I think like, it is. Spiky dread Spiky hair. hair. Yeah, he actually used to train at uh, Virgin Active um, in Sulphur Keys. Did he? Yeah. Who's the most famous person that you've seen in the in the gym? In the gym? You used to be at. Do you not used to be at Total Fitness near Wilmslow? Yeah, there was I, a few I was there. guys there. I remember seeing Robbie Savage. That's a good one in there. Yeah, no, I've got nothing. Peter Stringer at the. Uh, That's not a bad one. Peter Stringer at the Pure Gym. Exchange, the Pure Gym at Exchange Key because the as I've mentioned on the podcast before, the Sail Sharks pre-season training wasn't hard enough for him, so he went to do extra. <laughs> <Standard. laughs> I've seen the I've seen Lancashire training at uh, David Lloyd Lancaster. No, Lancashire. Lancashire. Oh, Lancashire rugby. Oh, no, 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 no. Cricket. Lancashire cricket. Cricket. Oh, right, nice. Yeah. Uh, mm. I don't know if Flintoff was there. Oh, God, so going back a few years then. Yeah, about 10 years ago. Yeah. Jimmy Anderson. Pretty Jimmy well. Anderson, looks, he's 40. He looks good for 40. He does. He does. He looks still plays well. Mm. He, very well. <laughs> he does. He still plays all right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so I, someone I saw the other day, rugby related this one, someone I saw getting turned away from Costco because the, the membership card wasn't scanning and he was getting quite quite upset about it Coney Eustazen oh wow <laughs> yeah it's, it's, a, it's a brave man to stand in the way of him when he when he wants to go and get <laughs> I like him I think he's very bulk, very cool by stuff yeah he's, very he, seems cool. a, he seems a nice guy I did see I was down uh, strolling through the streets of Soho uh, not long ago maybe four weeks ago and I saw a genuine uh, I think he's a, a Hollywood A-lister mm. British okay um, I'm just thinking it's Soho a couple of weeks ago Hollywood A-lister something like Idris Elba no, um, maybe not quite so it's similar vein though but okay. yeah yeah so a, a, like Tom um, Hardy be too, too Tom, far Tom Holland not Tom Holland Tom Holland the, the, neither, neither of the Tom Hollands oh, not, the, the, not, Tom not the historian no? not the historian not Spider-Man or the historian although I am going to see Tom Holland the historian I, I'm going to do that in April not. what about Tom Hardy not Tom just Hardy to, Tom Hardy not oh, Tom Hardy um, Hiddleston or whatever his name is no not Hiddleston. There are non-Tom related yeah. actors. Oh god, yeah. Ben- Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, not Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, hang on. The biggest actor that these shows have seen for a long time, Lawrence Fox. <laughs> <laughs> not Loza Fox. Uh, not Loza. Uh, it was Damien Lewis. Oh, good, good spot. And, he, and he's wearing. Uh, oh, yeah, go on. He's wearing an amazing like green leather jacket. It looked fantastic, and uh, a hat, and I could just—I could tell it was him because of his like uh, kind of dimply smile, so mm. creased smile. Yeah, the little creased. Yeah, uh, cheek, yeah. Around, around the cheeks. Yes, yeah. you're right. He's got. Uh, I, I stood next to. Him. 
I stood next to him at Latitude Festival watching Ben Folds. Oh, really? Wow. Yes. <laughs> I've, no, I've had no interactions with him. No, he, he, you're missing out. He plays rugby, didn't he? He was like a Did rugby he? fan, or I swear Damien Lewis. I'm going to look that up. I'm sure Damien Lewis has some connection to rugby. Well, presumably, if he does, he'll be listening to the podcast. So Obviously. He'll just get in touch with us. Yeah, egg chasers. Sounds like he's pretty close to you two, so. Yeah. <laughs> so what are we doing today, boys? We're doing uh, State of the Union. Yeah, so Phil's got a quiz. Uh, yes. And... And we're just going to take stock of rugby in general. Why don't we at do the end of a year the international game, a quiz, and then the domestic game? Okay, that because, sounds good. Yeah. yeah, because otherwise we're going to start with a fun quiz, and then nice minutes of misery <laughs> rant. But let's have like a bit of misery, a bit of fun, and then a bit more misery. Well, you say misery if we're going to talk about the international game, but I, th- I th- the international game is not bad. I think it's certainly in a better place than it was. Uh, if we talk about the World Cup eight years ago, yes. seven years ago, where we are now. It's very difficult, isn't it, to deconflict the unions and how they manage their domestic game. Yeah. Because the unions, remember, are not just the people that run your league, but they're also the employers of your national team. Yeah. So I guess if you partition those two things, you can see one thing is doing okay and the other thing is doing absolutely horrendously. Well, yeah. Let's let's talk. If we talk about the international game as an in international competition, from from one of the things that I would look at is going into a World Cup next year. How many teams have a legitimate chance of winning the, the tournament? And if you think back to twenty fifteen, it's, it's easy to say with hindsight, but there, there's only really one team that had a chance of winning that. France yeah. weren't very good. Ireland weren't very good. England, everyone had a lot of hope for. They were terrible. Mm-hmm. Wales were pretty average. Australia were average. South Africa got beat by Japan. It was the oldest and ultimately the worst South African team we've seen. Argentina weren't up to much. There was no one. Scotland weren't up to much. There was no one really other than New Zealand who could have won won that tournament. And we go in now, and I think you've got at least five teams, probably more, okay. who have a genuine, mm. serious competi- me, competitive chance of winning. Let me just yeah. see if we can sort of unpack that or look at it a different way if I removed New Zealand from that equation Mm -hmm. would you then say all those teams were rubbish still or would we be in a situation like we are today and we say actually all those teams were brilliant it was the most competitive World Cup we were like like to say were New Zealand just so much better than everybody else it made everyone look well pedestrian Um, it's definitely true that New Zealand were far better than everyone else Far better than everyone yeah. else. But look at South Africa. They were nowhere near as good as their powers. England were nowhere near as good as the sum of their parts. Nope. France team was... Frankly, mess. Frankly, yeah, a mess. They'd, they'd not recovered from the absolute farce that was 2011 that actually saw them get to a World Cup final in spite of the, the farce, not because of the management there that led is, to the yeah. farce. There is an element, isn't there, of looking at these teams and thinking, you're just not competent, you're not well run. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't that they were all just not as good as New Zealand, but they were efficient, they were competent, they were just not very good. Mm. They were all in a, a kind of st- state of flux. Which, again, just to briefly jump to an England perspective, that's why an appointment of uh, Steve Borthwick, I think, one thing he will do is get a coherent, solid plan, direction, vision that everyone can buy into for the next nine months. Well, so I, don't, I don't know if you want to talk about Steve Borthwick in this podcast because it's a bit more generic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe we want to do it next podcast. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah well, just, I'll, I'll just leave that little bookmark there. But, yeah. but to, to, the, to the broader point, you're absolutely right. Going into 2023, 
as things stand now, before the Six Nations and off the back of the Autumn Internationals, there's, yeah, it's wide open. I think France are a cut above, but not so far out ahead that you and couldn't see any, any other of those nations winning a World Cup. And I'd, I'd probably argue, I know France won the Six Nations, but I would probably argue that Ireland were the best performing overall team mm. in 2022. Now, 2022 is not 2023, and we've seen this before from Ireland in 2018. They won all of the accolades. Johnny Sexton got player of the year. They got team of the year. They won the Six Nations. They won everything, and then completely imploded in the World Cup. Yeah. So we could see that again, but Ireland, for me, are a quality side. And, and yeah. They're a good side. Even better than, than France. They're a good side. They do feel like they've peaked. I hate to say it. Those wins, particularly the win against New Zealand at, in New Zealand, felt the, to me the like two the, wins against yeah, New Zealand. In felt, New Zealand. felt to me like the peak of their powers. Although when I when you look back to two thousand and two, those victories a year out from a World Cup, it, I mean they were in the Southern Hemisphere in the same winter uh, summer. Sorry, England beat no 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 in the Autumn Internationals. Sorry, the Autumn Internationals one year before a World Cup, just like Ireland. England beat Australia, New Zealand and South Africa. They did. Mm. And all the players that won that World Cup look, say that was a moment when mm. when the, the stars lined up. And but We have seen this before from Ireland. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's interesting you think they've peaked because if you knew when the market was going to peak or bottom, you'd make a lot of money. Yep. You, do, you only can do it um, with hindsight retrospectively. Yeah, but you look at France and I don't think they've had their best performance yet. They've had some great performances, some great moments, but they're still building. I'm not even sure they know exactly who their best 15 is yet. And that's amazing because they've got such strength, they've got such talent. When that finally starts coming together, I mean, some will say it is already you know, a comprehensive and functioning unit. And it, it is, but I think it's got many more phases to go. And when it does, we're looking at one hell of a team. One hell of a team. I don't think Ireland have that. Uh, I think Ireland are right up there. I do you really think there are pe- players coming to Ireland who would vastly improve it um, or change Rob, Rob, it Robbie Henshaw's not been there Henshaw maybe yeah, um, I don't think they've got the best of Balakoon. Um yeah they I, haven't actually I think may, maybe not players coming in but who, who would come into France to vastly well, improve I think, it I think they've got an ocean, an ocean of players that could come in I mean we've not seen I, I always struggle with his name Wilhelmser Phil Helmsy. He's been out injured. He's been out injured. He's coming back. He's one of the biggest men on the planet. You know, you've got a range of fly halves. I mean, if you look... We've, we've, we've seen a lot of France with Valencia in over the years, haven't we? But, yeah. but th- that could be a weakness. The Ireland, because they're a leaner player pool and fewer teams and a more settled squad, that, that could be an advantage. Because, it can be. Because we've seen this with England. When you, yes, we have. Yes, when we when have. there's not a lot to choose between certain individuals and that it might just be the overall chemistry that makes a difference Jalabert v Untermac could actually confuse confuse matters whereas Ireland they've got all their eggs in the sex and basket I think the thing I'd say is when you've got a huge player pool and it's managed correctly unlike England's you are able to add one or two pieces as Mm. you come into a World Cup so you know Milner Scudder for um, New Zealand New Zealand would be one um, I can't think off the top of my head who who it would be for England, but there were lads coming in c- coming in, coming in into that team who were adding to it all the time. Now, a classic example for me would be the, like the French hooker situation. They've got four or five great great mm. hookers. You know, they they could easily promote one, and that would make a huge difference. They've got loads of fly offs. Well, one could come in and make a difference. Don't you say make a, a hooker making a difference. But they've, they've got two of the best hookers on the planet doing Marchand and Malvaca. 
and they they oh, do that, yeah. they do fantastic roles. So I don't think they've got anyone who can that I'm aware of that the, would the make boy, a difference above those two. I have forgotten his name now. The boy at La Rochelle is superb. Uh, Bogger, uh, Bogger, Bogger yeah, superb. He is superb. I, I, it's just he made a, a fantastic break against um, yeah. against Ulster. Ulster. God, it was horrible watching that because you're just accelerating away from everyone. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just there's just pieces that they can rely on, which can make a difference. You know, like with England, I think they just mismanaged their depth. New Zealand did a great job with it when they were good. England did a better job with it under Clive Woodward. I think France could do the same thing, and that's that to me is the difference. Hmm. So, the overall though, if we talk about the yeah. the comp- competitive level of the game, yeah, I think that's in rude health, like because because you've got lots of teams who can beat each other on any given day, and yeah. therefore it makes a competitive World Cup. Yeah, it's good to see more tier one and tier two nations having having head to heads, and the elevation of of that is great. I think it's really good. Um, I think you can also point to the changes they've had on qualification by residency to five years. I think that's been a really good move. I'm glad about that. And and also the um, oh. qualification to a country of your um, mm-hmm. birth or your parents' birth. 100%. There is a few, I guess, warning signs for me. Number one would be the primacy of the World Cup. I think it's incredibly unhealthy that we have four-year cycles. And one of the things that Borthwick said, and I really love it, is every game matters now. Now, I think we need to come to a more realistic position with the international teams that every game does matter. It is important that you win the Six Nations. It's not okay if you throw it away because you're building. It's not okay if you don't win all of your ultimate internationals because of some reason. Uh, so I'm not in favour of rejigging it so we have a, a World Cup every two years or a World Cup plus then some other multinational tournament. But if we can make the... If you make the international nations take it more seriously year to year rather than on a four-year cycle, I think that would be good. And the other warning sign to me is the continual pressure on the international game to generate money. Because if Twickenham's not full, mm-hmm. or if the Millennium Stadium's not full, in fact, all of the internationals uh, in the Six Nations, maybe with the exception of France, if they don't play or something happens, happens to them, everything falls to pieces. Mm-hmm. And that is the biggest issue. Yeah. Um you're quite right on the the precarious finances, and that's undoubtedly something we're going to talk about when we get to the domestic game. Yeah. And that that's one that I I don't know I don't know what the answer is. Well, I, I, li- I like to think that having the more coherent overall season and a global season, it's not it is not going to be a silver bullet, but it yeah. might just help things. It help the narratives that Tim you often rightly talk about getting the narratives to engage people. Um, it makes it easier to understand and follow through, but it's—I don't know—I don't know how you solve that problem because no. it's like one of the points you made ages ago, Tim, which I think is a really, really valuable one. Is if you're talking about a World Cup or a rugby that was on television in uh, the '90s or the '80s or even the early 2000s, you're talking about like five, six channels in the in the UK, and you you had um, the eyeballs on it. Now there is infinite options for you is infinite entertainment at every single angle for you to look at and it's what is going to capture people's um attention well to that quite often and this is partly a mistake i think people make is they the obsession is with how do we get more of those eyeballs that aren't watching to watch 
um, first and foremost, you need to look after care and really love the people that are already invested mm-hmm. and, and giving you their eyeballs. That and is I, a very good point. And yes. I, think, I think that there's... Because some of those people... Some of the people that, yeah, in the 90s or 80s or whatever, who would who would watch the Six Nations because there was only four, cha- four or five channels or whatever it is, and it would be on, um, you're never going to get... So, a, a massive chunk of those people who now have infinite choice, you will never, ever get. Mm. And that's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the, the, what concerns me is, yes, definitely try and reach out to the people that could be brought into the fold but there's a there's a lot of people who pay their money via subscriptions to tv actually go to grounds pay for kits take their kids along support local grassroots rugby clubs who feel like the people administering uh, administering the game don't care about them yeah um and and seem to care about this nebulous other group of people so it must be it must be possible to do both things at the same time yes you'd think so You'd think so. Um, yeah, and, and to that end, we can get on to in a little bit some of the rec- some of the suggested law changes. But in terms of World Rugby's law changes for 2023, there's uh, a handful yeah, the, that World the, Rugby are bringing in from January the 1st. That didn't seem... When I flicked through them, it didn't seem... There didn't seem to be anything concerning. Like no. Just... Um, six, enforcing let, basically, 60 and it, it could be summarised as, let the boys play. Yeah. <laughs> well, in, enforcing 60 and 90 seconds, and there was... Um, Quick, like, speed up the line-outs. Yeah, uh, speed up line-outs and scrums. Like, yeah. None of that seems controversial. To so me. the ref, the refs, uh, as as we got as we got from a friend of the pod who's a referee on one of our WhatsApp groups, the mm. referees have already been told the sort of things that you stop from happening is the slow ambled walk to a line out. The little how hud- do they stop it? The little huddle to a line out. Well, free well, kick. Yeah, who huddles in a line out? Well, you, of- you can have sometimes. Sometimes teams have little huddles before and then break and stand in line out. Some walk slowly up. Some they they that they. they, they Send the loose head to go and have a chat with the hooker yeah. to tell him the move, and then get go set back. up, and then send the. I can't imagine out. having a team so disorganised that we need to huddle before we went into line out. You must it, play against teams as disorganised as that. I find it abhorrent, <laughs> I find it offensive. Well, World Rugby are clamping. Yeah, down yeah but it. if they're huddling and we're set up, who's the advantage for? Well, then there's. Um, we're waiting for them. It's always an advantage to get in the line out first, so you can see what they're doing. But then it won't have any impact. Well. I mean, I don't. I mean, look, I, I, so it's, it's in fact no, no. It will have an impact. In fact, if anything, if they want to slow slow it down, they're more than welcome to slow their to slow their their ball down. And they're getting rid of, free. They're getting rid of those ridiculous twenty two minute or uh, twenty minute water break thing in the middle of each half. Yeah, yeah. that's not needed in the northern that's, hemisphere. It's not. It's not but, needed. Full stop. Not, Unless there's like a an is, unusual was we- it not, weather. Was it not bought in for, for Japan? In Jap- I could understand that's what in I Japan, thought it was because it was like when, when we were. When we were hydrating with a few lemon strong zeros, we're hydrating, <laughs> um, risking our lives in Tokyo. Uh, f- as an example, it's like thirty-five, thirty-six degrees and ninety percent humidity. Yeah. It was crazily hot yeah. to be playing ninety minutes of rugby or eighty minutes of rugby. But Twickenham in November, ridiculous. you do not need it. No. You, do, you do not need it no. at and all. You, and you just give big men even more chance to rest. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If, the change I'd like to see is interchanges. I want to see players come on, come off. I want to see coaches using their tactical act- uh, acumen for when they want to deploy their scarce resources. It's, I want to see all of that stuff. The, interest, the interchanges is an interesting one because the number of people I've seen against interchanges, actually against tactical substitutions for, mm. the, for the purpose of reducing injury, which <laughs> you need to know that um, 
the difference between a fresh man and a, and a um, depleted man is the primary cause of injury. Otherwise, you could be increasing... Like, making people play for 80 minutes could actually increase the well, um, yeah. risk of injury. Uh, look, we're always going to have injuries. Uh, I'm starting to get more and more militant on this now, which is, let's stop with the safety nonsense. Um, player welfare isn't the be-all or end-all. They might say it is, but it's not. Otherwise, we wouldn't play. Simple as that. You know, you don't play a game like this because your first thing on your mind is your health. You play a game like this for many other reasons. So we need to park that and say it is necessarily going to be risky. That's the interchange. That, that, that's the kind of thing. Like some some people will fall on a spectrum of agreeing or disagreeing with you, but I think there will be a lot of people. And the group of people I was talking about that are invested in the game have been brought up on the game. Are, are, you know the game, who their, play the game. Who know the game, who play yeah. the game, who promote the game, who support the game. They're the people that I think would be somewhere on towards the spectrum yeah. of, of agreeing yeah. with, with that very point. And that's the very point that I think is is the yeah. disconnect. So I, I think one of the major battlegrounds in rugby, like the clandestine undercover fight, which is there to be had, are the people that control so much of rugby's opinion, certain journalists, certain writers. And you can see this with the phrase, Games Gone Soft Brigade. So people are now running scared because they don't want to be, you know ridiculed by the term Games Gone Soft Brigade and it is a cover for people to do whatever they want and I think I'll save this for later when we talk about the grassroots game because it's certainly more applicable to that All right. but it just allows people to get away with whatever they want in the game law changes, changes for our health, changes for our safety none of which I'm interested in, absolutely none so that is the, the fight in rugby now and I think if we lose that fight Basically, the game's over. Well, why don't we come back to that one then? And uh, sh- unless there's anything more on the international game, not for, no? not for me. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, not overly. Phil's got uh, a bit of paper and a pen and a, and a phone handy. Yes. yes. So, um, so have you two got? Is, something no, to- this is the same quiz you showed me last night. <laughs> <laughs> is that right, uh, Jay? Exactly. Um, so yeah, put your phones in airplane mode and yep. give us get your text up. Um, well, so it's going to be you're going to be writing it down. Ugh. Yeah, get get yeah. notes up. Okay, notes. So there are there's only five questions, but there are uh, one one. I hope one. it's not like who scored the most tries. I hate I hate those questions. There, there is there or is one highest point scorers. I'll there's one there's one try scorer question. <sighs> but it's got to be. You've got, should, should we should we do airplane be... mode, Jay? Should we vote? come on? Yeah, yeah. may as well because I'm only distracted show, by people show texting me. me. Show me. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, good. There we go. Okay. Question number one. So yes. five questions, but um, whoa, 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 twelve whoa, points notes, available. Yeah. Um, but the first question, okay, only has one point available, and that is New Zealand have only failed to make the Rugby World Cup semi-finals once. Ooh, when was it? Interesting. Okay. Semi-finals. Semi. Yeah, they've made at least the semi-finals in every year, apart from one. Okay. Hang on. Right. Right. It's either that one or that one. Okay. Okay. I'll decide on which one of those two it is in a bit. Uh, Okay, cool. Question number two. One point available. How many times have Gloucester finished top of the Premiership table at the end of the regular season? Like this. Okay. Should we have a guess at the year? At the years? Uh, 
It, I'll tell you what, we'll do the years as a tiebreaker just in case we need it. Okay. Easy. Uh, question number three. Oh, well, that's not the answer. Jesus. <laughs> okay. Um, question number three. Scoring 49 tries. This is your try scorer one, JB. <laughs> Scoring 49 tries in 62 tests from 2000 to 2007. Who is the all time top try scorer for New Zealand? 49, 49 tries in 62 tests between 2000 and 2007. Too easy, that. Too easy. Interesting. Sure, that's the one you want to ask. Uh, you you hate uh, top try scorer questions. Yeah, okay, well, if that's the one you want to ask, that's on you. You got something down, Tim? J- JB got that one easily. I've got something down, but I'm not confident at <laughs> you all. Shouldn't you shouldn't be. <laughs> Question number four. What international team did Dave Rennie get one cap for? Dave Rennie, you say? Dave Rennie. Say again? <laughs> Which international team did Dave Rennie... You got one international cap. You only got the one. It's easy. Let's run this. I hope you're not bluffing. I hope you're not bluffing. That's it. JB loves a bluff. Do I? <laughs> well, it just it seems like it's... So it's so obvious when you think about it. can't be that obvious. It's really obvious. Hmm... And the final question. You got Here something go. down? Everyone's got Here something down go. for question number four. Final question. Eight points available. <sighs> okay. There are eight countries, not representative sides like the Lions or the World 15, um, who have beaten New Zealand. Okay. Who are they? Eight of them, you say? Eight countries. Eight representative sides. Eight, uh, eight countries, not... Oh, okay. re- so not... Oh, okay. They're countries, not representative sides, like got the you, Lions. Got you, got you, got you. Because, yeah, you could, you could add the Lions and the World 15 to this list, but we'd, we wouldn't count those. So, eight countries. Hmm. There's two, there's two that I can't... There's two that I'm obviously not sure on. Oh, they must. They must have. So, oh, right. Yeah, they must have. It's just. Mm, the last one's really difficult. The last one is very difficult. There's, there's seven quite easy points available for this one. Seven easy points. Well, there's eight. So seven easy points and one difficult point. One, two, three. One, two. I don't know where you're getting seven from. Okay. So I've got a list of people who haven't beaten them. Uh, why? <laughs> I can't. I can't. I, I cannot think who number se- number eight can be. Number eight is tricky. It's going to be something weird. Okay. I I don't know where to start. <laughs> right, well, let's get all the obvious ones done, shall we? So, well, yeah. Oh, so, okay. sh- should we do? You got? Have you got eight written down? Yeah. Uh, oh, let me just write. Let me just. Uh, okay, I just might as well go with no, because they haven't beaten them, so I won't do that one. Uh, yeah, there's a few teams you know have never beaten them. Um, 
fine. I'll just go with that. Okay. Question number one. Okay. What year did New Zealand fail to make the semi-finals? I'm going to say 2001. 2001? Well, it wasn't a World Cup in 2001. Yeah. Sorry. 2000, whenever England won it. 2003. 2003. That's the one. Um, well, I've put 99 or 07 down. I think 07 was when Shabal and co beat New Zealand in the quarterfinal of the well Cardiff, so I'm going for 07. 07 is correct. Well One point. Is that that game? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so, one point to Tim. Question number two. How many times have Gloucester finished top of the regular season premiership table? I did think about saying once, but I said twice. I think it's once. And I think it's about 2007-ish. Well, so, my two guesses were 2005, 2009. So, we're, we're in the same ballpark. So, they did finish top in 2007. Get in. They did finish top in 2005. They didn't finish top in 2009. Mm. However, they did finish top in 2008. Oh, did they? And 2003. They've done wow. it three times. Three oh. times. Is it all under Dean Ryan? Uh, don't know. I think, might, I think it's all under Dean Ryan. Lion, Lion, Dean Ryan. Yeah. Well. Three times. Three times. Well, no points then. Okay. Zero points. Uh, question number three. Yep. JB, that you you were very confident. I am. I am actually confident. quite confident on this one. So, so go on, Tim. You give me. Yeah. Well, I've got two. So I'll tell you the one I, I thought it might be. But and now I'm going to say it's I'm going to put my poker face on. Okay. It's not Doug Howlett. Okay. That's one. I think it's going to be Tana Umaga, but then I think I've not got enough caps for him. No, I'm going to give Doug Howlett. Doug Howlett. I was thinking of the options I had was Sivavatu, Rokathoko, <sighs> but I went Doug. I've gone Doug Howlett. Doug Howlett. Doug Howlett is Howlett. correct. Yes, yes. very good. Uh, I think that came. I think someone mentioned it in one of the autumn international games. I just, uh, I just know. So I've never rated Doug Howlett, and I know he's got a ridiculous amount of tries yeah. and not that many caps. And yeah. I thought, Tanner probably's got more caps than that, and he played thirteen as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I bet he's not. Oh, thank God, got well, a hole there. <laughs> that was a real. But last. he wasn't part of any of the World Cup winning teams, was he? he was, no, no. He was in the two thousand, yeah. two thousand seven. Yeah. Dave Rennie. Dave so Rennie. Dave Rennie. I just, I just guessed New Zealand, but I haven't got a clue. I don't know why. I think it's Japan. He, it wasn't New Zealand. No, of course not. It also wasn't Japan. Oh. It was the Cook Islands. Well, there we oh, go. Oh, wow. I love it. Of course. You can, can you not remember his debut? <laughs> How can I forget? <laughs> right. The eight countries. So, do you want to do... Well, let's do who it's not. Okay. So, it's not Italy. Italy have never it's not Italy, either. it's not yeah. Scotland. It's not, it's not Wales. No, I've got Wales down. I don't think Wales have. No, Wales, Wales have never won in New Zealand, but they must have. Like with the Gareth Edwards, with the Gareth Edwards and JPR team, they must have beaten them. I don't think they have. Wales have beaten, but have not, not since the 70s. Damn but, it. But they have beaten them. That would be the one which I'm missing out then. No, because, what? Not, well, I've, so the seven I've got, so you'll have the other six then. So I've got England, South Africa, yep. New Zealand, Australia, Argentina. Uh, wait, New Zealand? New Zealand can't beat New Zealand. Sorry. <laughs> oh, uh oh. Uh oh. Down. Teams that beat. So I've got. Category I've error. I've only got six written down. Damn it. <laughs> oh my God. So I've got England, South Africa, Australia, Argentina, Ireland, and Wales. Uh, I so you've there? missed France. 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 Oh my goodness. So Tim has got How did six I not? points. Oh man. GB. Right. Give me yours because you've not got Wales. So I've got not, not got Wales. So but you I'm will not. have France. You'll you'll have France. Have, you'll, so you'll have the other six. Well, You'll have England, South Africa, France, Australia, Argentina, and Ireland. Just yeah, yes, I have. Uh, but then there's another one, right? Now I think this other team. 
It's going to be someone like Germany or USA. I don't think it's going to be one of. I don't think it's Fiji, Tonga, or Samoa. Is it? Uh, you've well, got you to you you guess. No, 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 because I, guess. I, I, I'm not going to change, change change my guess. So I've gone. Do you know the other one who I thought it could be as well is Sri Lanka. Um, but I'm going to go with USA. Okay, no, wild right, card. I feel like so, I, so I I can only score six on this, and JB's got well, six. So you didn't. But you've not gone for a. So you I, only went for seven. One I, of, I, 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 thought, I, I wrote down New Zealand without thinking, and um, and uh, so have another guess. So. I'll, I'll give you another guess. Okay. The New Zealand one. Because Tim, right. Tim, you're winning at the moment. Yeah. By one point. Who else has played rugby? Like, like it's not going to. No. It's not Georgia. It, we'd know about if it was Georgia or Romania or. I feel like we'd know about it if it's USA as well. Damn it. So it's not going to be Canada or. Who else plays rugby? Canada. Good, Canada could be a good. Uh, well. Who else s- plays rugby? Didn't Spain, I can't even think of another country that plays rugby. Didn't Spain play before Franco or something? I'm sure that Lions have played Sri Lanka, so that'd be. <gasps> Could it be someone like Zimbabwe? Yeah, Zimbabwe. I was, yeah, there could be Zimbabwe. They were they used they were team in the eighties. Maybe Zimbabwe. I'm not. Well, uh, well, okay, yeah, Zimbabwe. I don't know. Surely so, not. Uh, JB, you went for USA. I did. Uh, it's not USA, which means you you total seven points. A disaster. Tim is, Tim is already on eight points. Um, but Tim, your guess was uh, Zimbabwe. In 1949... What? Go on. Well, JB got this, really. In anyway. A, in a test in capital Harare. Oh, oh wow. Rhodesia. Rhodesia. Former colonial name for Zimbabwe. Question. That's a great question. Beat the All Blacks. That's a great question. So who was that? Was that so it what, was a tour of South Africa. Okay. Like 49, 1949 it was. New Zealand were touring South Africa and played a game against... I guess it's more like playing... Um, when they toured England, New Zealand toured England in the 70s, I think it was, or 80s, and they were beaten by the north of England, as an example, oh, at Otley. Yeah. Um, I think... Um, well, there was an Rhodesia. anniversary of that recently, wasn't there, or something? Yeah, yeah. I think there was. Rhodesia was treated as a... Almost more like a provincial game. Oh, I won't take a, the New Zealand point. Game. Um, but you don't need it. I don't need it, because I won by a point anyway. Yes. Oh, Good quiz, that. Good quiz. What, what was go. the point that won it in the end? I can't it remember. It was the first first question. It was the World Cup. The World yeah. Cup 2007. The game that JB was at. <laughs> lost it for him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, uh, just too we many go, strong zeros that day as well. Yeah, too, far too many. <laughs> so before we go on, uh, I, I can't stand, I'm just watching a video on my phone as I turned it back on, I can't stand gory videos. You know, like these horrible videos uh, like go around not necessarily social media they used to be on social media but now they go on like whatsapp or telegram channels oh, you like just horrible horrible stuff some, I, I hate those the only exception that I have is for when um, trainers of lions and tigers get it wrong <laughs> that's the that's the only exception that I have like Scott I, Baldwin I can't, I can't get enough of it I, they deserve everything <laughs> that they get I don't, I don't mean like just a civilian try, trying to pet it yeah, I yeah. mean like someone bullying a tiger I'm so glad they get their heads ripped off <laughs> <laughs> Call it. oh dear um, I, I heard a great phrase uh, just on non-rugby stuff before we go back into the domestic game uh, a really good phrase for next week or this week as you're listening right now mm. this coming week uh, I heard someone refer to it as the gooch week <laughs> which is perfect <laughs> it's absolutely spot oh, on oh dear <laughs> I do I kind of it's happened a little bit this week I've had a lot of things to do but um, 
I kind of lose my purpose in life during this week. I normally like so focused on, right, I've got to do A, then B, then C, and then I never get time for D, E, F. Mm. Um, whereas this week I've, I've like I've done A, B, C, D, E and F all by mid-morning, and then it's like, well... Time for a nap? Yeah. <laughs> or do I just start drinking? Oh, that's a great idea. Well, that's how, like, that's how UK farmers and stuff would or, or, or people um in pre-industrial revolution that's how they worked the land it was that was kind of the british way you get up you do your work and then you just Have a, chill out all day yeah. whereas whereas and that's some people think like culture wise that has actually gone through like uh part of the reason why traditionally certain pockets of asian communities are so hard working is because paddy fields for example had like my minute detail intricate detail needed constant uh, attention uh, and lots and lots of work yeah there's the thing about the, the rice fields the, yeah it's the Ma- Ma- Malcolm Gladwell it might be Malcolm in, Gladwell in, yeah. in but I think I've read it elsewhere as well yeah. the, effectively the more time you put into it the more rice you can yield yeah. so and there is actually, a correlative benefit and the mathematics um, the the uh, disposition for being very good at mathematics they think may be culturally embedded from that because actually you would have to be very aware of detail that is mm. interesting. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that thing that is in Outliers as well. It's yeah. safe to say I'm not, um, uh, well, say uh, that I'm not descended from Asian stock then. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas kind of uh, farming in the UK and in, in Northern Europe is kind of just... Do a bit of work. Elbow, elbow grease, then let it do it, then just sit back. Wait. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So before we start this section, yeah. has anyone got anything positive to say? About domestic rugby, yeah, just the landscape that we find ourselves in. Uh, France are doing well. France are doing well. Yeah, I that's, think I, I, that's a good point. That's a great one. If there was a model for success in domestic rugby at the moment, from the top level and downward, it is France. The right model now. or a model? It's yeah, because well, yeah. I think you've got to be careful with it's this. Like, look at. Welsh rugby loosely tried to copy the New Zealand model. Correct. You can't. Uh, the map is not the territory. You so, can't just lift off what's worked before. Yeah, you're and right, and it, it goes to something that JB's talked about a lot, where you've said that you need to give a proposition that fits the people that yeah. are there. And I, I think Ireland are doing that as well. Ireland are operating at a really high level, at the top level. Their provinces are doing well, uh, and they've got room for growth because one of the, th- the the Irish school system is fantastic. And that's part of the reason that Leinster is so good is because mm. there's so many high-quality yeah. people coming through the school system, teams like BlackRock and all the rest of it. But With Mr McGinty as the exactly. headmaster. Nailing it. Headmaster McGinty sorting that out. But they are seeing the, op- the opportunity for growth by getting out into the communities and tapping into the, the talent that isn't through the public school system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, they think it can get even better. Tell you what, that's where England lets itself down. You know, I I hardly know anyone who, and I've met hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lads who play rugby at lower levels. Unless you went to a really good school early on, and you get picked up by sell or somebody early on, there's just no real progress. And also, same for North Wales too. Unless, well, it's different now because of RGC. But unless you were really, really something special, no, actually, even if you're something really special, you probably wouldn't wouldn't mm. get picked up. You'd be invited out, invited in, invited on a trial. Drive five hours, you might not have a great game, then you'd be best back up to Colin Bay and carry on playing. And obviously, there are people that come outside of that school system, but the bearing in mind the proportion of people in private schools in the UK is maybe what five percent. Yeah. So yeah. I, whereas they, they, whereas probably f- at least fifty percent of professional players will come through that system. Yeah. It's, yeah. 
It is a bit more tricky than that, I think, because a lot of kids, well, a lot of kids go through the private school system, but a lot of kids that go through the private school system are not private school kids. So if you have, if you've shown real promise, Carl Ferns. Correct, yeah. Carl Ferns is not a private school kid in any way, shape, or form. But, um, um, for, just from Great a example. working class family in Liverpool, good rugby player, went Sedba. to Sedba. Absolutely dominated yeah. the place. Yeah. So, yeah, that you know, that's a classic example. So, sometimes when they say, you know, we see a lot of idiots talk about the private school system, I, I think I generally agree with their very broad point that too many kids go through private school. No, I agree with the point that if you're not in the private school system, it's very difficult for you. But I don't agree with it in terms of it's just a class thing because the private schools do a very good job of actually getting lads in from different classes. But even if they did exclusively that, there is simply not enough room in those top private schools to facilitate mm. all of the talent that England has. Yeah. And that's the difference. And if that is a sliding doors moment that you're the one that gets picked or doesn't get picked and through no other fault of your own, all, all else being equal, that has a massive bearing on whether you become a professional rugby player or not. Yeah. Then that then... It's not just that it's unfair on that kid or lucky for that. That's, that's not the point. It's just you're missing out on a whole lot of talent. Yeah. Really are. The, of the amount of talent that could be funneled through yeah. to top-level rugby. Because of, of those kids, even still of the, the kids that make it to the first team of the big private schools, 95% of them are not going to make it. Yeah. Or more, more than that. And you will get a Bevan Rod occasionally, who is just a great prop out of the box. Mm-hmm. But props and second rows and whatnot, you've got to punt everywhere for them. I'm surprised that there is not more uh, attention paid to this because there are some big blokes out there. And if they had just a little bit of um, extra attention and extra training, they could be bloody good rugby players. Now, they're not all going to the premiership. There's a lot of guys that NFL there. do that talent ID because in yeah. certain positions, just you cannot be a great... Um, you cannot be a... Uh, tight end unless you're 6-5 minimum you are not there you could count on one hand the number of inter- people who've played international second row uh, under 6 foot 5 in the last 20 years I mean, uh, Sebastian Chabal being one of them but he only played there because he was a fantastic number 8 Cameron Wockey He's, he's surely 6'5". Six, six, yeah, he, no, he's not big, but he's just... He's, he's not, he, won't be under, he won't be under 6'5". But he's, he's got the advantage of... He's probably got a, a wingspan of someone who's about 6'9". He's amazing. Yeah. Mm. Amazing. Anyway, yeah, so back to second row. So I've got two examples of lads in Wales, both of which didn't really become that good until their late 20s. One of them's just been picked up now, and I've seen this lad play for years, and I think... If only someone had picked him up and worked with him from the age of, say, 20, mm. I'm sure he'd be a pro. Well, who was sure the... Oh, I can't remember who the guy that was the Lon- the Aussie guy that was in charge of London Irish for a bit. Because there was Glenn Delaney went there and anyway, Brian Smith. Not Tom Coventry. Brian oh, Smith. yeah, Brian Smith. Mm. So bro- that's one of the things Brian Smith said to my bro- my brother. It's like, man, how did we? How did you not get found earlier? Exactly. Because mm. he, he made his premiership debut age 28. Did he? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And 28. And there's... Like there'll be lots of people. Did he not debut like for Nick. Bath earlier than that? Uh, he didn't play first team for Bath. He was he was, uh, not he, was he, he, he was he was on the bench. I, was he on the bench for the first team? I, anyway, it was when Borthwick and Grucock were the second rows there. And anyway, no, so he, he didn't get that. But he so he was in in the championship. He went. He got one loan to London Irish. So maybe it was twenty seven. Anyway, but he didn't get a full time contract with London Irish till he was twenty eight. And, and he was player. And he was player of the season there that year. And, and that's what Brian Smith said. It's like. How have you just yeah. popped up on the radar now? Incredible, isn't it? But the, the number of players who uh, will be 
um, maybe not quite as talented as Nick, but close to the you, you, ability of Nick, yeah. who just come 21, they'll get an offer to do full-time work or part-time rugby full-time work or whatever whatever the combination is and the rugby will just they'll just let it go they yeah. won't train as hard they won't yeah. play they'll play at a lower level or just give up in, entirely but he came through a comprehensive school system played local uh, club for Newbury and it was only by chance because Bath under 21s played uh, Newbury and he he was playing on the other team, and it was just one person spotted. Oh, look at the size and shape of that lad! Yeah, M- mine. And he's got an engine on him. Fancy coming up? Fancy coming? Up, fancy coming and training at Bath? But no, he, he would just. He would have been like many many other people, just completely. Yeah. But he hadn't had the five years of uh, of. He sort of had to play catch up, which is why he came through later. Well, yeah, because that it, five years of conditioning that all the other lads would have got. It's, it's a funny game, rugby, right? So yes, five years strength and conditioning is very important. I think five years of learning to, to talk rug, rugby chat is just as important. <laughs> I, I, I'm not being funny. I'm not a very good, very good rugby player. Certainly not not compared to someone in the championship or let alone the premiership. But I'm pretty sure if you put me in a meeting, I, I could bluff it. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like if they, if you just put like the kit on me. And like a hoodie, I'm sure I could bluff it for a lot, for a good day or so. Definitely, yeah. Just Definitely. hanging around like the lineup section, or you can, easy. You can talk the talk. Oh, who's that? Who's that? That was a number eight. He was at Leicester Tigers, um, and then he played. He didn't really. I don't think he played for the first team at Leicester, but he went to Nottingham, where he played mostly rugby. Dan Montague. He got the nickname Stash for his whole <laughs> rugby career because he turned I know up. That name. Why do I know that name? He was number eight at, at um, Nottingham. Anyway, uh, he he played. He turned up for his first day's training at Leicester wearing, like, they were all in their proper Leicester stash. He turned up in, like, old school shorts. A cardboard real, shorts. A real, uh, cardboard shorts, a real massive, oversized, just generic rugby <laughs> shirt and crap socks. And he, just, he had the nickname Stash his whole career. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah, if someone comes on Talk H and they've got the right shorts on and they talk yeah. rugby, yeah. oh, you're guaranteed to, you yeah. know, go straight, straight to the first team, no questions asked. Yeah. <laughs> I was a good player. How do we know? Now, we've obviously spent a bit of time there talking about um, the abundance of talent that there is but is not getting utilised. That is a problem. There are bigger problems than there are that. much bigger problems. Yeah. So where, where do you, JB, you, you love ranting about these problems. So where do you want to start on the other problems? Well, I'd say yes. I mean, it's difficult to know really what state the grassroots game is in because I would say the standard has dropped but simultaneously, we're still getting at first team level. Most ga- most weeks we've got games. But that's, if you go back 10, 15 years, to say most most first team games are going ahead, that w- that's a pretty low bar. Like you wouldn't be saying bar. that fifteen years ago, would well, you? I'm just trying to I'm trying to put it in context because like where we are in Didsbury, if you just look, went to Didsbury, you'd think it was the most popular game on the planet. Yeah, you know, we've got fifty training every week. Yeah, you know it's an amazing club. We're doing really really good things. But I appreciate that isn't everybody. So if I look at the league that we play in, I think it's a really good league. Uh, I really like the teams in the Northwest that play in our league. They've mm-hmm. all got some history. They all play good rugby. So from my point of view, it, you know, it's definitely a higher standard than last year. But last year and this year combined, I do not think are the standard which I believe level seven should be at. Level six certainly around here is nowhere near the standard. The standard level it once six was. was. Yeah. Yeah. Level six has gone down drastically. I'm certain of that. Um, and then when you go up, so as you go up the table, I think there's a problem of where teams stop playing, paying money and where teams 
or just meant to be good but amateur. So if you yeah. come down that level, they are okay. We're okay. LSH seems to be doing that's Liverpool St Helen. Sorry, they seem to be doing okay. All the they don't not, pay. We've never paid. Yeah, so it's not yeah. really really an issue. You jump up a bit, and all the lads that would have played at say Vale of Loon or Wilmslow are really suffering. Broughton Park, Ultram Curzel where they sometimes would pay, they sometimes wouldn't pay, but there was enough yeah, players. Yeah, they might do expenses or they might pay a yeah. few players, but... All those players have gone. Yeah. They've all gone. They've either gone up or they've just quit the quit. game. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is the area that is of most concern to me. Now, the... A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Second teams and third teams. Third teams have not always played, you know, it's nice if they do, and they, you know, we often do. Uh, and then second team, that would be an area of concern for me. I've had loads of screenshots with home walkover, away walkover. Yeah, yeah. But anecdotally, it seems to be picking up around here. So I'm not as negative on the local scene as I am the overall sort of grassroots scene and the administration of it and that kind of thing. Well, certainly on a on a smaller scale, I just talk from the thing that I see every Sunday is a lot of the teams that that my son's side would play against over the years, a lot of those clubs don't run teams at that age group yeah. anymore. So, But what you've now got by under-15s is uh, the clubs that are still existing, they've absorbed some of the numbers from like Manchester shut down and they went and uh, they went to a few other clubs, Stockport and Trafford, Metrovic and all the rest of it, and Heat more. Um, so they've all gone and bolstered the clubs that were there. So you now have actually a really, really good standard in a bunch of clubs at a certain level and I think there's probably a little bit of that adjustment still to happen there's probably yes. a, there's probably the, a few a little bit of market forces need to come into play and you hope that everyone can find their level and, and exist but actually it may well be that the ones that aren't doing as you talked about providing the the proposition that is required for the people that it that support that club if they don't do it then actually maybe yeah s- see you later so- in the way I look at clubs is they are sort of a basis for people to do... They're, they're a blank canvas, right? And I think you see this all the time with the youth sections, which is you'll have a youth section, an age group which is good, age group which is bad, age group which is good. And the only difference is motivated parents. Now, you can't, you can have motivated parents in every single position, but then when those kids go past... I mean, you're not going to stay with the... Broughton Park under-15s for a few years, are you? You're going to go under-16s and 17s? Nothing will make me happier we're talking about this a bunch of those lads when they get to 18 they'll go off and go yeah. somewhere else mm-hmm. but it will it will fill me with so much pride if three 
two or three of those guys go and play first team. are in the first team. Yeah, great. Like, that'd be afternoon. fantastic. That, that'd be, that's, that's like job done. But you're not staying as the under fifteens coach. That is not going to no. be your job, no, right? No, no, no. Yeah. So you know that that's why it's why so rugby clubs will provide you with the canvas but it'll be the motivated parents and I think that's why we see so many clubs which don't have an age rate an age group at a certain level and then have a really good one at, at another level so on and so forth I had this conversation with an RFU bod and they sort of score they used to score your club on all the different teams that had and this is I don't know I don't know why it was important to them but they were coming to us and saying hey you know you need to have a youth team playing you need to have this team playing it's like no I don't I don't need to have any of those things I mean the club should be you know what the members of that particular section of the club make it all that a rugby club does is provide you with the opportunity to build this thing it shouldn't provide it for you mm. so that's that's the um, kind of grassroots or some of the grassroots yeah, and if level we t- if we touch on the money and then get to your yeah. uh, so, so the money obviously has been a tumultuous year and the big story there it's oh. been at, you, at, at the top end at the yeah. top end yeah because you've got, you've got two years of Covid with all the complications that brings uh, and has brought for various different reasons. We don't need to the go CVC that. chickens coming home to roost. The CVC, Finally. yeah, CVC um, taking a big chunk of the um, media and commercial um, cash coming, commercial revenue mm-hmm. coming off. And we've already seen two clubs fold. Yeah, we've seen London Irish. Worcester, Worcester, That'll probably be a relevant statement in yeah, a few months. We. Who knows? In my opinion, we've said this on the pod, podcast, we are likely to see um, at least one other. And the two most obvious for me are London Irish and Sale because they don't own their own grounds. Their revenues are... Well, their revenues and their player costs are almost exactly the same thing. They yep. have very little option to grow their revenues. Um, Sale, we saw, saw a statement this week, actually, didn't we, on the the ground and trying to find... Uh, what, from sale? From sale. I didn't see this. Yeah. So they made a statement around... Um, they've kind of... they've Them trying to buy the AJ Bell, but AJ Bell has effectively run its course. They're yes, not going to find an agreement with... It's Salford City Council who own mm-hmm. it. They're not going to be able to buy it. Therefore, they're looking at options to enhance the match they experience and ultimately drive more revenue into their pockets, yeah. of which they won't even get all of it because... A, proportion of it i don't know how the revenue split works but some of it will be going to the the owner of the stadium well i mean and that's why you own a stadium to be fair you know oh yeah yeah that's but why you own a stadium they've they've tried they've they've looked at other options which were non non-viable and for Salford, various reasons Salford City council can can they've got the leverage because we're okay well what are you going to do if we what, what are you going to do if yeah if, if we don't and if we say sale, no sale don't have anywhere even close well, did, to they, enough money they did have one location, didn't they? <laughs> one location which could have saved the club. They they had no locations. But there, there was one. Like, there was that, there was that one. one old person was uh, that one? who lived in one of the flats on Pulteney Street by the wreck who held up Bath's planning application for years and years, years and years and for sale. It's Phil. Yeah. <laughs> I was just. I was just a really. I've. I have saved sale. Literally hundreds of millions of pounds by. That's so good of you. By uh, you. just highlighting to them the 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 farce of if you try and build on um, Greenbelt land that is also an area of um, natural interest. And natural also, interest. What's interesting about that? And also, I, I don't make those rules, Jay. That's that's, that's how it's uh, designed. I would throw every new into a wood chipper if I could build that stadium. And <laughs> it's also uh, Mersey floodplain. 
So not only not only does anything I say have totally relevance. Say it's it's kind of have you ever heard um have you ever heard uh the phrase that was used um to describe the Trump family collusion with the Russians, alleged collusion with the Russians Go on. as um Watergate for stupid people. <laughs> so that sales sales uh, um attempt at moving towards building a ground on uh, Crossford Bridge was like construction for morons. Like, there was no way they had even one-tenth of the money they would have needed to build what, that stadium. I bet Phil changes his mind pretty quickly if uh, Sale comes in with the with the full amount of money to build if, <laughs> Now, if Sale come with <laughs> 200 plus million, um, then we, we could talk. But yeah, there's a conversation to be had, yeah? Yeah, yeah. If, but where is Sale going to get 200 million from? They've got 200 million mocking. <laughs> Could say, they not, say, with say the, they lose like with two the million. Crowd, they need yeah. they need minus two hundred years of. Don't profits. you worry about it. Don't you worry about where the money comes with from. With the okay. crowd they currently have, Haywood Road would work. It, it would do. I with the crowd think, they currently I have, I don't think they. I mean, I say I don't think I know for a fact. They'd have to do some serious redevelopment on Haywood Road, and it'd be other planning. No, but they could get all the people that they get in at the AJ Bell. Oh. They could get in at Haywood Road. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm not sure that's true. It's it's pretty busy at sale. I'm pretty sure it's busy. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> um, they could do Haywood Road, but they can't do Haywood Road because it's not ten thousand seater. Yeah, yeah. It'd take a lot of redevelopment. A lot of redevelopment. Yeah. So that's they not did that. some work on Haywood Road a few years ago. Um, they did some new clubhouse facilities. Yeah, it's really cool. Three or four. They, when, Road when, the premiership, when the Premiership started, that's where the Sky it. Sports cameras used to go to. Yeah, I remember it. It's really cool. Really cool. Jason Robinson had his debut there. Yeah, against yeah. London Irish. Yeah, yeah. It, w- it would be now. I would be keen to do that. Now, there's, there's some houses around that, that. Knock them down. Knock them down. They don't affect my house at all. So. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, it's not Mersey. It's not a Mersey floodplain, and there's not a load of newts on there and parakeets. So, the Premiership's a mess. A mess of their own making. Um, the CVC deal is an absolute nightmare. There yeah. was there was an article out, wasn't there, this week, and it said something which. It's one of those things that sounds really inflammatory when you say it out loud, and it's long lines of CVC have taken out X amount of dividends when the league has lost uh, X uh, Y amount or whatever it's, and people are sharing this like it's big news. It's not big news. That's, that's you, what they signed up. To. If you find this offensive, or if you find this wrong, you don't understand the deal. Yeah, it's yeah. as simple as it's that. Just, it's just playing through the deal that everyone's yeah. signed up to. There is nothing wrong with what CVC are doing. CVC made a great deal for them yeah, and their investors. And their investors, yeah. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with what they are doing. Yeah. So when you see they've lost this, but dividends of that have come out, tough luck. And people, and, tough yeah, luck. and as, as you're sort of uh, alluding to there, all the people coming out going, why aren't CVC doing this? And why aren't they doing that? They, they don't need to. They don't need to. They don't want to. Why would they want to? Now, they, they did make statements around uh, helping to grow the game. Now, well, yeah. the... the I know it's interesting to say were those because uh, I'd have to reread those statements and I, I'd be interested to read how they were worded in the actual contract and then re- read how they were presented to the public because they're presented to the public in a way that CVC are they are invested literally invested in this thing and they are also going to help grow it for the benefit of the product but also ultimately it grows CV it, it helps CVC yes it does um 
So I'd be interested to work out because there is there's a question mark for me over whether CVC have done everything that they can do or everything that they, they should do. They haven't even fulfilled their minimum obligation, right? So in my mind, their minimum obligation is to use their clout as a huge city firm in order to get not the best talent, but the best talent for the price into the premiership. So that would be what I'd say. They started off with Darren Childs, who was an absolute clown show of an administrator. He might have been a good bloke. I, I don't know him personally. <laughs> he might have been very nice to his wife and kids. He was a dreadful, dreadful administrator of, pre- pre- of pre- 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 Premiership Rugby. They've sat, on, they've sat back. They've seen the utter catastrophe, which is the Premiership Rugby comms team. I mean, utter catastrophe. Incompetent in every way you can possibly categorise incompetent. And they've sat on their hands and done nothing. Now, I would have thought, if they were going to bring the, the absolute minimum, they could probably assign one of their office trainees to this job and do <laughs> better than what they had. And that would just be to get rid of who they currently have and then bring in someone else. I mean, the, the, the comms team are a disgrace. There's, there's no other way to put it. Now, I do think Massey Taylor as an appointment, is a pretty good one, actually. He, I'm he not generally sure. talks a good game. Yeah. But there is a difference between talking a good game and actual, effective, tangible output. Yes. I so mean, I don't think... <laughs> yeah, there's no yeah. output yet. Yeah. He's got a bit of time, but... Yeah. yeah there's so, work to be done. Yeah, so there's absolutely nothing that I can see which he's achieved so far. Well, I think everything is in stasis, generally. And mm. I, I mean, I don't, I've got no idea. I'm just looking at it, and the amount of people talking about 10-team league, 10-team league, 10-team league, I'm just thinking, are they just waiting? They're just sitting, they're sitting it out until London Irish it's haven't got any more money. Uh, yeah. London Irish sell, or someone else that we, we're not even aware of. Newcastle. That, Newcastle could be a good one. That's, uh, what, I, the, that's the, what I wonder if that's what's happening. Cause the, the, just on the Newcastle point, that's a good one, because like the McGuigan deal... That went through mm. to Gloucester two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, cracking um, deal out for Gloucester. A great deal for Gloucester, and we, we were talking about them. They've lost um, Singleton. Singleton. Yeah, um, the the point that we actually said was they previ- prior to him going there, two very good hookers. One that means they've hooker got and one, hooker. one very good hooker in Cicino. Now they're back to having for the the end of this year and going forward, they're back to two very good hookers. Yeah. So, yeah. The, it's a bit of a mixed bag across the, the other clubs. So when you read that, the report which came up from the private equity board, why they needed a private equity guy to do it, I don't know. I mean, it didn't take... I, I get, most people with you know, G, GCSE business studies could have probably done this. But they did what they did. It's a mixed bag, isn't it? So Leicester Tigers, it's, it's tough, but they turn over quite, quite, They've quite got a lot. They've big revenue, therefore that can hide some sins. Yeah, Exeter. Have run their club better than most. Yeah, uh, then and that's, that's Exeter have made the hard decision. Although it's easy when you've got Tony Rowe on both sides of the equation. Yep, to sell the hotel that they built to improve their revenues. Yep, and there is Northampton. Uh, Northampton. Yeah. Northampton. Who are really competent. Yep. I mean, say really competent. They're competent. Right? They're competent. Yeah. Everybody else cloth, cloth accordingly yeah. in terms of revenues, uh, in terms of costs when revenues dropped. Sensible. They're. Um, financial statement of the year and accounts that came out very recently were positive in very difficult circumstances. And Bristol and Bath have rich enough owners that so long as they're around, it doesn't really matter. Sale are probably in the same boat there. Um, I'll say in that boat. I'd Is that Simon Orange? And Jed Mason. And, and Jed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Jed, in- Jed 
if Jed's pumping it up, they, they've 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 got good backers. That's what I'll say. They've got good, yeah, good, good backers which have funded it pretty well so, so far. Um, and then everything else is a bit of a mix. But like you've lost Worcester, you lost Wasps now. I, I personally, I'm of the opinion that let it burn. If they're going to go, they're going to go. Just let them go. You know, we'll have to muddle through s- some other way. But- and as you have said before, that that this is this just means that club as a professional premiership entity is gone. The club is not gone. Yeah. Even if Wasps weren't coming back at Solihull FC, there will still be a clubhouse somewhere with all of those photos. There will still be people yep. that wherever it pops up in the league pyramid, there will be people that feel attached to Wasps because their dad used to play for them or they remember going and watching as a kid. They've still yeah, got the yeah. scarf and a shirt. Let me say they've got the, the European champion. Yeah. Wasps jerseys. will be fine. So, so there will be wherever Wasps were to pop up, if they went down to the very bottom of the league pyramid, they would get a bunch of people invested in Wasps who would, that club would still exist. So these clubs, is the only concern I have is when the club goes out of existence. So as happened with Wakefield, for example. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so did you read the statement from Wasps this week? Uh, I think I probably did, but remind me. <laughs> they were saying they would like an investor to come in. They'd like to go investor, a spender. Let's not call them yeah, investors. Yeah. They'd like a spender to come in. Yeah. Um, it's like saying, oh, I've just invested in uh, a new BMW, a new car. Yes. It's not an investment. Not the, investing. The, the value of that asset is going one way. Exactly right. Um, yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah, I'll just leave it there. Um, but if we have to be semi-pro, we'll be semi-pro. I think they should go semi-pro. Uh, they have so much support throughout the city of London from when they used to be there back in the day. They've got such a big, wealthy supporter base, but a quiet supporter base. So the problem they have is they are obviously in the Midlands now. It's a London club. Mm. A lot of those London-based guys are very successful in the city and and, and whatnot. I think Wasp would be better off going back down to London and tapping into that as a semi-pro team. I think they'd do wonderfully well. But, you know, who knows? I I think Wasp will be fine ultimately. But I think they do need to go back to London. I think that would be a good start for them. I think it might not be a bad thing as well. And It's not. Because I was having this chat the other night with a mate of mine, just like you, Phil. He's a, he's a, he's a United fan. And he's basically said, we're going to get bought by a, an Emirati, a, a shake of some kind. We're get, the club's going to get bought. At which point, I probably will go, do you know what? I'm... That, that, I've had my time and I had a great time, but I'm not bo- I'm, I'm not really bothered. I'll go watch Sol- Salford City or yeah, exactly right. whatever. Yeah, um, because it it won't it doesn't feel like his club. So it, like it it's that f- phrase I overuse at the minute: the, the price of everything, the value of nothing. Yeah, now that that point is an interesting one because I think there'll be a lot of people who will um, kind of uh, they'll take that view because it. It suits. Uh, it suits to say, "Oh, I'm not going to support oil money or anything yeah. like that." I've got a mate who's a, a Newcastle United fan. He has never been more positive about Newcastle United or oil at the moment. <laughs> or, or, yeah, <laughs> weird how that. He's got a, he's got a holiday in uh, Saudi Arabia. Of course, he is. He's pumping up the line. Neon's the line as the hundred. Have you seen the line? No. Oh yeah, that's outrageous in the desert. Oh yes, I do know. Unbelievable. Well, that it is. It's actually started. They've broken they, ground on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, they have. They've. They, no, they've They've dug from the the, the uh, pictures I've seen. They've dug uh, maybe four hundred uh, linear meters to a depth of about two meters, something like that, um, at approximately the full width, which I can't remember what it is. Something like two hundred or four hundred meters. Mm. It's but it, that is it's like less than one quarter of one percent of the length of this. Like the the, the scale of it is 
just stupid. It's an indoor like, city, isn't it, basically? Indoor just, city? City? Yeah. It's 170 kilometres long. What? Is the plan. Yeah. So, uh, that's like, not far off. I think, I think Klaus like, should be living there, or just be us. That's <laughs> 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 like here to Bristol, kind of distance. It's amazing, isn't it? it, it it's wow. Just, it's just stupid. That's like, in, it's not... That's insane. It's It'll almost... Be... Like we, we've already spoken about one stupid construction project on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is even more stupid than Sale trying to build... It's not. ...across a bridge. Just that, put it in that you can't... Well, it's, it's, certainly le- it's certainly less ambitious. If you wanted to get away, you couldn't. Because it's like, well, go on, there's the, there's the desert, the arid yeah, desert, yeah, yeah. For, for yeah. as far as the eye can see. And it's mirrored on both sides, so you're going to be blasted with uh, UV rays <laughs> if you step outside. It's just... I'm not sure it's a good idea, you know. It's just crackers. I'm not sure it's a good idea. Um, any, anyway, yeah, he's he's yeah. incredibly positive about all that stuff. So I think there's a lot of people who would kind of show, oh, yeah, um, virtue signal that... Um, I'm not saying this is what your mate is no, doing, no, but no. They, it would signal, oh, yeah, that... I'm not, I'm not going to spot they're dead to me. Lots of people did that when the Glazers um, came in. FC United and Manchester started as a result. Exactly. But then if United actually, if they're properly ran, which they haven't been for many, many years, mm. um, since David Gill was <laughs> chief executive, some some people might say, um, then lots of people will come back. They will. But it was nuts. Like World me Cup, included. World Cup, me, World, 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 <laughs> World Cup final, car. you had that. You had uh, Bin Salman, like... Yeah, I murdered Khashoggi. Um, what, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. What are you going to do about it? Sit next to him and, and shake his hand, and you have to. Yeah. Nothing else you can do. Have you ever listened to? It's there's vulgar, a, though, isn't it? There's a yeah, it is. It, 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 you, there's a Sam Harris episode with a journalist who interviewed MBS um, oh, a few years ago. I think it was. It might have even been post Khashoggi. It's really, really interesting. It, I'd recommend listening to that. I wouldn't recommend everything by Sam Harris, but that is really right. interesting. Especially more recently. He's gone a bit... Yeah, he's odd. He's, odd. he's, he's, odd he's out I, of his own head the last little while. But I, yeah. I like some of his stuff. Yeah, it's, no. A, a friend, friend great, of ours, great mind. A friend of ours um, said he's one of those people who's he's so intelligent that he can convince himself that things that are just <laughs> nonsense... <laughs> he, he, that are are true, and I think that is a quite also, good way of describing in it. In the same way that you know, Will Greenwood went down the path of mind altering party drugs, <laughs> Sam Harris is a big fan of psychedelics. He and, is, and I don't think that is, I don't think that's free. <laughs> oh Joe, Joe Rogan's philosophy is that uh, anyone who wants to seek um, office as a politician needs to have ten. Psychedelic experiences first. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I think I'm so sorry, Joe. Won't be doing that one in a hurry. Um, especially it, like, how old's Joe, Joe Biden? <laughs> that a good idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, does um, episodes of um, dementia count as a psychedelic episode? <laughs> yeah, I presume they're fairly similar. Right. We've, yeah. we've been building anyway. up, so we've talked for far too long already. But we JB, are. there is one thing in particular that has caught your interest Oof. in the news that crosses over probably a little bit of uh, grassroots and higher level yeah. um, rugby. So this week it was announced that it was leaked. It was leaked yeah. by the brilliant Charlie Morgan yep. of the Telegraph, uh, or to him, not by him, I might add. That they are going to start a trial. At level three and below, so that would be a national one and two. Uh, that'd be national national two, one. Yeah, not one north and south, wouldn't it? Yeah, and right. so everything outside of championship and premiership. Yeah, mm. 
And the answer is no. The answer for me is no. What the, so, uh, for anyone who hasn't seen so what they've the suggested... Is tackling below the navel, which I think is madness. It is madness. So we've tried the nipple. We've tried just banning seatbelt tackles. Yeah. We've tried all this stuff, and now it's like, right, it's time for the navel boys. And at this point, I don't want to play anymore. Uh, so I've said, I've said to my team, though, if this comes in, I'm done. And I think a lot of lads are done. Um, a lot. Of, I, I don't want to coach it. I don't want to play it. It's not the game that I signed up for. Not the game that I like. So, if you think about rugby at the moment, it's all very negative, and I've been quite insulated by that because I'm really losing interest in the Premiership. When I'm losing interest in the Premiership, God knows what everyone else is thinking because I used to love the Premiership, but that's okay. Yeah, you know, I can still keep an eye on it, and I can go and play my local rugby. Well, they're basically taking that away from us now, and the RFU. Are completely lost. I think at this like, point. Why is the question? What's what 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 problem are they trying to solve? And oh, is, they're trying to solve concussions, this, right? Is it just concussions? Is that it? Uh, yeah, concussions. Yeah. It must. It must be. But is, is that I, a major issue? Yeah, no, I, lower I, levels. I, I no. don't know. Is no, the, it's just not. Yeah. It's just not right. You just got to put yourself in the situation that you find yourself as a player, like me. You, people need to stop telling me I don't understand the, the risks. Yeah, I do understand the risks. Yeah, I can't tell you, you know, risks in terms of the, my chance of winning the lottery or my chance of getting run over. I, I don't know the statistical risk, but I have a feeling that the risk I'm taking is okay and therefore I'll continue to take it. Why do they think it's appropriate for these people from up high to say, okay, from now on we're going to do this? Well, I'm just not, I'm not going to do it. So this will be the last season of rugby that I, this is what, my 20th season now. I'm pretty sure I could play on for a few a few more, uh, at least. But I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. Uh, and what annoys me is the way people apologise for it. So they'll say things like, maybe it'll make more free-flowing rugby. Imagine the offloading game. Don't care about the offloading game. The only reason an offloading game is amazing is because it's done in the context of extreme physical danger and tackles that can stop an offloading game. Simple as that. And nobody's stopping any coach from focusing on an offloading game. Exactly Some, right. some teams do. Some, 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 some teams, teams do. do. Uh, it yeah, requires we, a high, high degree of skill, which is why it is quite often not done. Yeah, it does. I mean, look, there's, there's pros and cons of everything. We've got a set of laws, and the laws should... They can be tweaked, but broadly speaking, we want a game which reflects the game that um, the previous generation played, the generation before that, the generation, generation before that. Rugby has changed drastically. Uh, but just to change it wholesale is awful. Now, another thing that they'll do, and they did this with the concussions and the high tackle protocols, is they convene the, a panel of the great and the good. So if you dare question what the RFU are up to, or on social media or anywhere else, the first thing they'll come back to you and say is, well, you don't think you know more than Wayne Barnes, do you? You don't think you know Appeals more than- to authority the last few years is horrendous. out of hand. Yeah, horrendous. To which I say, I don't think any of these players have played a single second at level seven. Maybe they have, <laughs> but I don't think they have. You know, this is our domain. We should have a, a say in what happens. And of course, what the RFU will do, or any other body that wants to change the laws, is they will consult, but they'll pre-filter the people that they're consulting with. And or they'll get them and expose them to garbage data. I mean, the, I say garbage data. The data might be correct. But if the data is correct now, why wasn't it not correct 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40, 40 years ago, when the game was unsafer because of all the fighting and you know the lack of policing of high shots, which you know has obviously become a lot more, a lot less prevalent. It's clearly a safer game. 
it's clearly a safer game. So the reason I say it's, it's trash data is because we were comfortable with the risks before, but because it's been expressed differently now, people are getting less okay, okay with it on the consultancy level. If, if you were handed a... Or if general rugby population was handed... A, a guarantee like this will solve all problems and not. I still co- wouldn't do it, and not cause any <laughs> unintended. I con- still wouldn't do it. Unintended consequences. Some people may take that. That I understand. I understand why you wouldn't. But this is what I'm saying. One, is it actually going to solve the problem they they're trying to solve? And secondly, the unintended consequences. Yeah. Well, unintended consequences. Just leave the game. Yeah, I would just say everyone just leave the game. I, I think it's about time that. Rugby players, it's about time that we understand why rugby players play the game, and it's because there is a risk. And that risk is really important. If you take away the risk, it's, it's pointless. So we can, we can see the RFU. The RFU, just in the same way the National Trust don't like old buildings, the RFU don't like rugby players. I, I think that is... So, and, and let, me, let, let me make the same point, express it, I think, in, in the way you are. As we've talked about many times before, um, rug, people don't play rugby because this game rugby existed it is that rugby exists to fulfill a primal need 100% that's why rugby exists yeah and what actually is happening i think is that the people who have a primal need for uh physical challenge mm-hmm. test uh, excess testosterone masculinity these things that have become dirty words apparently um those people that actually are the ones that rugby is there for or originated because of are the ones that it feels like they're trying to shut out. In, in, and and the, the aim of being inclusive to people outside of that traditional mould, which I'm all in favour of, everyone who wants to play rugby should play rugby, but it feels like it's, it is a zero... It feels like it is a zero-sum game where... To, in order to open the door and make it massively inclusive, you're actually pushing yeah, out the you're people. actually pushing out the people that the game existed for. That's why it's unique. You know, it's like strongman uh, giving everyone lighter weights so more people can become a strongman. Why? You know, that that's not what strongman exists for. Or limiting the speed of uh, you know of hundred meter runners. Why? Uh, you know, that's why. Well, it's that's like, why it exists. It's like the uh, the standards. The standards to the physical standards to enter military, police, and all the rest of it, the, the, getting low, they, they get dropped mm. because they haven't got enough people coming through. The, the net, the net consequences you have, not of uh, lower quality. Yeah, look, yeah. there's a really good saying like um, most men live lives of quiet desperation. Probably true, actually, and that's what rugby, you know, is there to stop. Really, you're in your stupid cubicle office every single day. You only see a handful of people throughout the week. And you only see a handful of people from a limited range of backgrounds. The reason you go to the rugby club is because you see a wide range of backgrounds from a wide range of people. um, And it's awesome because you're there to engage in the same activity, which is effectively the bullying of 15 other men. You either get bullied or you do the bullying. There's very rarely a game where it's perfectly even. And we sign up to this week in, week out because we like to be a body of men achieving things and that's what we like to do and nature and, yeah risk is part of that nature creates hierarchies whether and in the animal kingdom that's by like you know size and strength and but skill in having a little like rutting stags and stuff yeah but that that's what you do within your team tuesday thursday and that's what you do against other teams on a saturday that's the all of you have lost their way completely the i, I actually agree with that it it now exists 
to perpetuate the business of the RFU. It doesn't exist to serve us. It doesn't exist to help the game. The most disgraceful thing which they're doing, aside from this, is the promotion of touch rugby as some sort of alternative. And the people that say, oh, well, increase skills, don't care. I don't care what you think you're increasing. I don't care what you think your law change will bring. I don't care about any of it. The sport is the sport and you've got to leave it. If you want to tweak things here and there, like can you collapse more, can you not collapse more, seatbelt tackles, fine, okay, we'll do that. But when you completely change the game and say, okay, only tackling by the navel, forget it. And the people that should be most ashamed of themselves or the people that full-throatedly support this, I think it's awful what has happened to people like Alex Popham and Steve Thompson. I think it's genuinely, genuinely, genuinely dreadful. heartbreaking, isn't it? However, and there is a however, their tragedy should not be used to change what we do on a weekend. They got paid to do what they did, and therefore there is a moral quandary. Should you pay men in order to potentially hide symptoms, to potentially put them in a situation where if they don't play or don't continue their career, they can't continue their lifestyle, their standard of living is affected? There's a real moral quandary there. There is no moral quandary for me. Or any of my teammates. Any more than saying to someone, I'm going to go and um, cycle on a Sunday morning down some backcountry lanes. Exactly. If I get concussed, I might never play again. If I get concussed, I might play again. But nobody is paying me to play. right? Nobody's forcing me to play. We're not professionals. We are amateurs engaging in an amateur activity. If they want to make this change, okay, do it with the England team, RFU. Do Do it in the place where it affects you. And it affects your jobs, it affects your salary, it affects your funding. Go and do it at the international level. Don't mess around with us. Uh, put put your money where your mouth is. Because that is where the problem is. You know, There will be far more concussions playing for England than there will be for Didsbury. Do you know what my conspiracy theory on this is? On this suggestion? I don't think they want men playing contact sport. My conspiracy theory on this suggestion is what they have already decided is they are going to ring-fence the top two divisions. Yep. And so by creating from level three down, effectively a different sport, yeah, I think it actually it might just make that mm. e- it might make that easier in people's minds. Yeah, I think already right. it detaches the two uh, psychologically on a psychological well, level, and then they can then they can do it. I don't know if you're one hundred percent right, but I think there's certainly some mileage in what you're saying. Ring fence the top, that is your blood sport or or, or whatever it may, may be, and underneath we've got this amateur amateur. Passive, flimsy, um, just horrible game. A, a pale impression of, of rugby, which well, is a mixture of. I don't know what it was. My, my, I'm just imagining, and I'm trying to get in. The, the issue I have is that the type of game rugby being it fast changes of direction, dynamic. You can go from being uh, a player in the defensive line, not taking a tackle, to the person making the tackle in a split second. Yeah. They want. The, the, how can you? Tackle below the navel, unless you're ru- unless you're running round bent at the waist. Well, didn't you say something interesting, Phil, about the running style of the attacker? You, they're going to make they, oh, well, you, well, you, you the get Char- penalised if you don't if you don't run upright. Yeah, Char- Charlie huh? Mor- Charlie Morgan's um, tweet said carry, ball carriers to be encouraged to run upright, which does you can only that, encourage them if you penalise them when they don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Run upright, that, no. So normally, often with these things these law changes i um i'm more kind of optimistic and positive about them and i think i think some of the world rugby changes particularly around um the uh letting the boys play speeding up yeah speed it's been up all good um 
I think the high tackle framework has not been perfect, but I think that's generally been a good, been a positive change. Yep. Um, this, I'm surprised at I'm, this, yeah. and I, I'm I am not particularly optimistic about this for for several reasons. But one of them is that if you, so yes, if you look at the statistics, the tackles where concussions are least likely is where the tackler is bent at the waist and the ball carrier is upright. That is the least likely tackle to cause a head injury to either party. To either party. I mean, the least likely tackle to cause concussion is touch rugby. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But this shouldn't be the metric that we judge a game on. No, and it's you're trying to force something. So there's so many reasons why this just strikes me as such a bad idea. One thing, you're trying to force like unnatural movements in this, like the, the ball carrier going upright yeah and like forcing like tim you mentioned the, the change of direction one if you look at gary ringrose and james hume yeah which was an accidental head-on-head that led to hume going off um it was only two or three weeks ago um that was that was a high tackle it was a red card or yellow card um at, at the time it could even be a red card in line with the framework but um it was just a rugby incident and you that would you you're you're trying to litigate for all possible outcomes, all possible ri- risky outcomes, some of which are totally, totally unpredictable. And yeah. it's going to have massive unintended consequences. It, uh, the future of rugby, I think, is so bleak if the RFU get their way. And also the cheerleaders around the, R- the RFU. You know, it, the RFU has got such disdain for its fans now. From Bill Sweeney not singing um, Swing Low to uh, the introduction of Touch... The thing which you've said just then just makes so much sense about the ring fencing and the game below. I can just see this hellish future where rugby clubs are meant to be some all-inclusive, non-semi-contact kind of social club. And the only indication of success is how many numbers you can get in and how many different types of people. But nothing about the sport, nothing about the skill, nothing about the reason that we all love it in the first place. And actually, it'll appeal to nobody. That's kind of how the NFL exists, No, other than the odd little, yeah, yeah, little, but where little is like, park social league. There's, y- no, there's no elite-level rug, uh, rugby, uh, American football outside of the NFL. Yeah, but they don't... I mean, there's no clubs, is there? No, exactly. Yeah, it's it's yeah, yeah. totally I mean, different from totally the, different from the framework, from yeah. grassroots yeah. up. It's totally yeah. different I would like, the college system. I, I think we're but you're right, there is, there is no... No, no, adults play. Yeah, if, N- if you don't uh, get if you don't get into uh, your high school team, you play your last game at junior high. If you don't get yeah. into the college team, you've played your last game at high school and university. Same same goes. But they still don't have this thing with, with local clubs, and that's the thing which yeah frightens me. That's the thing which really fr- fr- frightens me. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think there is probably a decision that has been made somewhere by some lofty academics and uh, in some place, and I just don't think they're very comfortable with this playing. Contact and you know the biggest danger to what we do on a weekend is going to come from the administrators of the game. And I think what's ironic is if that is pans out to be the case is exactly what you pointed out as the the moral quandary. People do things every weekend, putting their putting themselves at great personal risk because it's a hobby they enjoy. Whether that's cycling, whether that's scuba diving, rock climbing, yeah, yeah. You know, horse riding, you name it. That's a that's a conscious choice which individuals make, knowing what's involved and at amateur levels. Well, it's a fully informed choice. Yeah. There's, ne- yeah. as you've said a number of times, there's never been more data and information and awareness. I'm not sure what you could risks. tell me to stop playing. You know, I've got two. Uh, sets. You've got to tackle below the navel. Oh yeah, done. <laughs> um, so if you think about it, 
you could tell me every single statistic you wanted. I'll just look back over the last 50 years of rugby. Well, they still played. Mm-hmm. So what is it you're telling me? This, these must be lies. Of the lies, it's nowhere near as dangerous as you're making out. There's something, there's something not right about all, all of this. It's like they're trying... Do you know what it is? It's like, like they've got, like you say, they've got the top teams and they're trying to make a structure to just to manufacture as many fans to pump money to these top teams as they possibly can. I th- well, I think when you look at what's going on in corporate structures when you look at what's going on with things like ESG and stuff this this is activism this it, is, there is an element of that is isn't act- there? I think there's a big chunk of this which is activism uh, which uh, you know, when you listen yeah. to how people talk about clubs like Ugo Monia I know he was sort of taken out of context but there is something in it when he says oh well maybe there shouldn't be so much alcohol so we could be more inclusive uh, maybe you know, maybe we shouldn't be playing um, touch. Sorry, be playing contact because it'll put people off, and they want a non-contact option. Maybe it's just not what it's just not what we do. And tell you the, the thing which really, really irks me is well, touch rugby exists already. When, if when Granger yeah. goes around, and Granger, for those of you that don't know, Steve Granger, his name is, who is the head of the community game, he goes around and he gives these presentations, of which I've seen one. And he gives it with this lady who does the touch rugby bit. And she's talking about setting up structures for safe... I don't want anybody, anybody in adult rugby talking about safeguarding to me. Ever. 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 If you're if, if, if with kids, kids yeah. different, different... But when we're talking about safeguarding of touch rugby players to ensure that there's no pressure for them to play contact rugby, you think, hang on, what's going on here? What is going on here? So well, just in the, the infantilization of grown adults is uh, yeah, if, the, 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 the the dropping levels of testosterone is uh, it's, uh, it's all tied in. Like there's um, there was a stat the other day in an, in an article like some because it coming up to Christmas and you know toys get bought for kids. The something like one third, or it might be a, I can't remember what it was exactly, but a massive chunk of the toys that are sold every year are adult men buying it for themselves. <laughs> Whoops! Uh, we, we, we might be in the wrong place yeah. to be, <laughs> to be talk, discussing oh, that. Lovely model, lovely There's selection of model planes you've got, JB. They're not toys. They're not toys. They're not toys. Lego. I've got some Lego. Yeah. yeah. I've, uh, I have bought myself a couple of Lego things to do over Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, things to do, right? Um, otherwise, I just end up drinking for ten days straight. Yeah, right. I think if things carry on, you know, I'd like to see a, a different union. Set. A different union, union set up, or a different organisation to administer. I'd ask, the I'd ask two things: like grassroots game. Rob, put Rob Baxter in charge of it, or Dana White. Dana, yeah, <laughs> or Steve Diamond. Steve Things Diamond, like, yeah. Steve Diamond, Dana White combo. <laughs> um, so we'll we'll see how that one plays out because that was it was as you mentioned before, Jay. It was just a kind of leaked information. It's not there's been no official announcement on that yet. I do maybe they're doing what politicians testing. are doing, yeah, dropping a little just, just yeah. see what the reaction is. And do you know what? All of the beta male podcasts out there, all of the neckbeard soy drinking losers, are going to be all over this. Oh, as long as it makes it a bit a bit more a, a bit safer. Forget it, boys. Forget it. You know, you, you'll. I don't mind you having your opinions on things, but when it actually comes to what affects me on on a Saturday. What has the reaction yeah. been? I haven't really seen any overwhelmingly negative. Okay, well that's good. I, to, be, to be fair, I've only seen little bits. I've I've seen your reaction, uh, and Which my, is kind my, of my personal reaction was like I, I said before. I'm normally more positive about this. This to me strikes me as games gone soft. A big step too far. Games gone soft, and what they'll try and do is they'll try and weaponize that phrase. Go, oh, the games gone soft brigades 
uh, come up, which is a derogatory term. It's meant to paint you as some sort of bigot or loser or you know well, gammon or you know it's, it's it's like that. You know, you know the type of person that uses uses that insult, and it's just there to cajole you into shutting up. And I think we need to probably reclaim that. Well, yeah, let's see if they do use this to test the water. Just on that, um, an interesting. I've got this first hand from a politician as to oh, yeah. what what they do um, when they 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 like to. Um, they or the generic mass of politicians. So they will release the bad news ahead of time. That'll get leaked ahead of time, and the good news will be leaked. Uh, will be presented in the official announcement. So you have five days to digest the bad news, get over it. Like when they and were then about the good news, the introduce... official announcement seems more positive. Than like it when they were introducing more lock- COVID lockdowns, they'd leak that to us. Yeah, so yeah. We, yeah we, yeah, we could digest it, and then when they came out and said, oh, don't but... worry, we're only going to take most of your freedoms, not all of them. Yeah, you, you can still go for um, one bit of exercise per day outside. Yeah. Feel free to go at least five kilo- uh, kilometres away from your house. Yeah. Five kilometres? Do you remember? This is going just, I, like, well, Bear in mind, all the stuff we said at the start of the podcast was obviously a joke <laughs> about this being Christmas Day. I just need to stay well off <laughs> any of this. When I, have a drink, when I have a drink on Christmas Day, I need to stay well clear of this. Board games, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if, if people game. even mention COVID, I just go... I, 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 I skip the nuance now. My general view is we should hang two of the scientists and two, and, and two of the politicians. And which ones we do, I don't mind. We just draw it at random. And that will be a message for all future politicians <laughs> and all scientists that this is not acceptable. I do, do from Whitehall. Just I, I do like when we were boozing. We've done this a few times, but when we were boozing in Bath, um, in it was September 2020. It was peak COVID. Yeah, it was. And we we had we were given a week of freedom, even though we were in a <laughs> tier three or whatever we were. Makes um, me fuck. Oh god, the tears. Oh my I god, know, I get, no, I get, no, I get no, really no. angry. Don't but we, had, we had Let's we had a there. rule that yeah. as, as soon as you mention anything to do with the c word. You've got to do two fingers off of whatever it yeah, was, yeah. and that that is a good rule do to enforce. That's a great rule. Do you, do you know where we really let ourselves down in Bath? And I keep running this scenario over and over well, in my head. Well, there, there was the curfew, so we all got kicked out on no, the no, street. No, there, there was something we did really, really poorly. Uh, so we're all at the table outside, and we're having a few drinking games, and things got a little bit out of hand. And I'm pretty sure somebody drank their beer from their shoe. Oh yeah, but we, here's the thing. Yeah, right? we, <laughs> I can't remember exactly what happened. So we ordered some more drinks. Go, Sorry, you can't have any more drinks. You've been drinking your beer out of a shoe. Now, normally, normally, I would say, yes, you're absolutely right, let's go. But, but, there's a saying, isn't there? Um, if you owe the bank £10, that's your problem. If you owe the bank £10 million, that's their problem. We hadn't paid for a single drink yet. It, it was on the tab. <laughs> we should have demanded our extra beers. Yeah. I can't believe that I got yeah, steamrolled like that. Yeah. When I have leverage, I like to use it. We should have used our leverage. I'm just, it, I, it plays on my mind that. Am I just making it up? Did they actually say that it was a... It was the Co- shoe was drinking. A, yeah, but it they was said a, it was perfectly. It was a COVID. It was a COVID reason for the shoe <laughs> stripper not being able to drink. It was. It was a COVID it's not, law. It's not. A, it wasn't your shoe, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Is that what they said? Yes. Oh my I can't, god. I can't. We might be misremembering yeah. that. Don't. Do not quote us on that. Yeah, it's something like but it wasn't that, your shoe. That COVID, was at the time, COVID breach. That was at the crazy time when there was both the curfew, so everyone was out on the street and trying to get a kebab and a taxi at, at 10 p.m sharp or if you're in london going onto the tube everyone at the same time but there was also that was the weird the brief period of time when uh you had to have a um a meal 
Yeah, yeah no, to, was well, it? Uh, no, I don't think we did. Did we not have to? No, we all didn't. That, all that, did we Scotch dodge that? Scotch bollocks. Yeah, yeah. So what constitutes uh, a substantial meal? A substantial meal, yeah. So we're watching the clock. This is the other thing. What, watching the clock just tick down. Because, well, if we can't drink for the two hours late into the night, well, we'll just move the two... We'll still get our two hours. I mean, we yeah, still got... Yeah. We'll just start at... We'll start 11 at, o'clock. Yeah. So literally, as we went to 11, we're in there. Five glasses of wine, please go. <laughs> and that was our weekend. Like, it was flat out from the second that... When we landed <sighs> in Bath on Friday afternoon... And you had to... Always... Did we leave Sunday? Yeah, we did. So Saturday... It, I know. It was one thing um, having to follow these rules because establishments were enforcing them, but it's quite another when you would just... Oh, let's not go there. Yeah. You, you have, ch- you have well, a chance... Bloody good night chance family members. It was good fun, going, actually. Yeah, yeah, good. It was good, good fun. In spite of all of that, it was good yeah. fun. Yeah. And, and partly because of it, it was good fun. And if, well, you're, yes. if you're stood up, you've got to be wearing a mask. If you're sat down, you're okay. Oh, yes, of course. It's, it's, God, it makes oh, me angry. God. Makes you so angry. Well, anyway, like we've gone far too long. Yeah. Well, I, I got, I got, I developed quite early on. I developed quite a thick skin. Getting going on a train every day back and forth from London, and um, I got used to the tuts and the questions, and just saying nope, nope, I, I, nope. same here. Sure. Nope. So, nope. Um, I got into, a, I can't this. Yeah, I basically got into a fight uh, on um, on the tram. Someone started screaming at me uh, on the on on the platform. It was, it, was, it was horrendous. Yeah, they didn't have a mask on. I picked I, I picked my battles because as soon as I got to work and I, I, mm. I, I had to comply and just go along with it because it was at work and I was the and yeah. We, we we've got two absolutely psychotic secretaries who um, <laughs> if you didn't wear a mask they would go nuts they would go absolutely wild and like we had to have a screen up between us and our clients. Just, yeah, let's, let, let's. Fortunately, that is all in the past. Yes, and um, Klaus has got other plans for 2023. So let's let's yeah. focus on battling them. And, yes. and and in the case you've got leverage right now, you are saying this podcast may not exist if RFU bring in these laws. Honestly, Tim, if they did and I didn't play the game anymore, the only thing keeping me in in rugby was watching the Premiership, and that's terrible. It's not terrible, but the uh, the allure of it has gone, hasn't it? The magic of the Premiership has gone. You have to ask yourself, what would keep you watching the game? I don't know what would keep me watching the game. Mm. What would keep you watching it? So well, our, our amazing Patreon fans. Yeah. Yeah, that would be... I, I think I'd end up having to watch it because I had to watch it. I don't want to be there because I've loved doing rugby for so long. The same way... For the same reason I will never accept money to... Or never accepted money to play because, A, I wasn't good enough. Or coach. Um, but also you don't want to turn what you love into a job. So like, what would be... What would be the point? You'd have to wait for the internationals. And international rugby doesn't even excite me that much now. But if that's the only thing left, pretty dark, isn't it? Pretty dark. Mm. To end on a positive? Like, it's th- not happened yet. <laughs> it's not happened yet. There's a lot we do love, actually. I've really enjoyed this year. The 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 focus and, and refocus and extra co- uh, extra time we've given over to grassroots rugby. Yeah, and Talk H. Basically, if we win every game with a bonus point, we get promoted again. So. Mm. There you go. And the, uh, Nothing can stop us. And just as we've brought that to the table a little bit more, that's only happened more so because that's connected with a lot of people who are engaged in the game and playing and listening right now. So um, we'll keep on doing that. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bitter, bitter end. Yeah, that's quite... Yeah, this is a bitter, bitter so end. So we'll be back, won't we, midweek with all the games and roundup with a basically yeah. standard podcast. Yeah. And chatting in detail about Steve Borthwick. Indeed. Yes. I, I'm... I'll have spoken to Wiggy by then. 
Nice. Really? I'm telling you what, that's a hell of a job that he's he's got. Yeah. yeah. It's also it's also um, and this I think this is what's gonna be my first question tomorrow. Um Christmas Eve, which will be tomorrow. I think my first question is gonna just reflect on the fact that his playing career's come to an end before I ask him yeah. about the coaching, because it's a hell of a career. It yeah, really is. It's a hell of a career. Oh, when's to win premiership with three different teams. Mm. They, he's the only, we did discuss this, didn't we? He's the only man to have done that. Yeah. I th- yeah. seem to recall. So, yeah, so I can't think of a single other... I can think of players that have been player coaches. But I can't think of a player that has done what he's done, which is be... You know, well, actually, he is a player and a coach, but he's not the head coach. So usually a player coach is someone who you just want... who's a brilliant player... And then you just pay him a little bit more for the coaching. So is it is it yeah, seven premier level seven premierships? Thing. No, it happened. Um, like, wasn't Francois Pinot a player coach? Uh, uh, possibly. I think he probably was. I'm sure he was. Francois Pinot. What did I just say? Do you mean Ruin Pinot? No, Francois Pinot. Francois Pinot. Saracens. Saracens. Was he? I think then. he was. Yeah. Was John Schmidt? No, I don't, I think, don't think he was just a player. I think he was just but a player. But his yeah. wiki is seven premiership titles. Three clubs included in that. Yeah, five European titles, and the five European. Uh, sorry, three European three titles European. for Saracen. Sorry, yes, and the most appearances of any player in the Premiership. Incredible, and X number of England caps as well. Mm. Arguably, should have been more England caps. Yeah, remarkable. Yeah, he, he really is a hell of a player. Yeah, right. I'm going for some beers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you for your support patreon.com forward slash egg chasers or else just hit subscribe uh, and tell a mate and let the boys play nice I am also going to get some bits